Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Coco Zing, and more. An extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP. Good day, good evening, whatever time it is where you are, welcome to Line Drive Radio on this cold and restful day, January 26th. We're talking baseball here, Line Drive Radio. It's been a while, we're back. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, back in the batter's box, looking up at the mound at my good buddy, Mr. Ted Bamford from the great city of Chicago. Buddy, what's going on? Let's talk some ball. Paulie, if I am on the mound, I am not throwing heat today. It is three degrees. <laughs> it was minus 12 when I dropped my kid off at school this morning. Woo! So, uh, yeah, it's uh, smoke them if you got them, but stay indoors kind of a day. Yeah, play a little bit of the show on the Xbox there, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a good show day. Uh, also, uh, being the 26th of uh, January... I would encourage everyone to dust off the old DVD collection, go on your favorite streaming service, and celebrate what would have been the 97th birthday of the great Paul Newman by watching your favorite Paul Newman movie. Uh, Or, uh, because birthdays are uh, apparently flying fast and furious today, uh, or watch one of my favorite baseball movies of all time, uh, Major League, featuring today's 88th, birthday uh celebration focus uh bob euchre 88 today who is a national treasure uh they yeah you can't hang a person in the louvre because they'd probably get sore but that man is every reason for people to fall in love with baseball and god bless milwaukee for having that guy calling games because he is an absolute legend so uh Bob Euchre's birthday today, Paul Newman, uh, the late Paul Newman's birthday today. If you if it's cold, if you're getting 20 inches of snow like uh, Paulie is this weekend, find something to do. But a couple fun birthdays of note. And, of course, Tab, we can't forget Eddie Van Halen today. It would have been his 67th uh, birthday, I believe, as well today. Indeed. So Indeed. If you got him, turn him yeah. up. Absolutely. Uh, we, 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 we hope that, uh, when he passed, he was not still running with the devil, uh, but, uh, found his way to the pearly gates. So, uh, yeah, definitely somebody that's worth dusting off in the car on the ride home today. Yeah. And if you missed it yesterday, uh, the Cleveland guardians, uh, announced their caps. Uh, so you must've been excited for that too, as well. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like it. I, I think it's a, it's a subtle tweak, but I, I like it. it. Lots of, uh, Lots of rebrand coming in the mistake by the lake, uh, Cleveland. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. But the uh, yeah, the, the Guardians got to. Well, we're going to have to, Paul, this year when we get into full season mode here on Line Drive Radio, we're going to have to set an over under on the number of times we slip up and call them the Indians, or or multiple other names depending on their record. <laughs> oh boy. We'll have to it's watch not, Twitter it's for not the a fans. Fire, fire in Cleveland. It's a lake fire. Just remember that. <laughs> Who, who's going to be called Star Lord first on the on the, uh, on the team? That's what I want to know. And, and will they have a trash panda bed and clean up? <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for the uh, we are Groot signs in the stands. <laughs> uh, we we digress. Too funny. Oh. All right, Powell. Yeah, bless you, Cleveland. 
Yes. So we're doing a special show here because uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame is, is, is in the news. There's not much news on the, the CBA front. It's the fact that they're hopefully talking and hopefully we'll get some uh, pitchers and catchers uh, out on the mound and behind the plate here soon. But um, let's get into it here, brother. Um, where do you want to start uh, as far as the class? Uh, who get voted in here first? Two, obviously the big news with Big Poppy here. First time Hall of Fame ballot. And... Uh, some reactions today from Clemens I saw. I uh, didn't see anything from Bonds, but uh, take it away, pal. Yeah, so we found out Tuesday evening that uh, Big Poppy, David Ortiz, who received a hair under 78% of the total vote, uh, will be the only player voted in by the Baseball Writers Association to be inducted in the class of 2022. Uh, which is fascinating. Now, obviously, you know, back in uh, earlier this year, uh, there were the two committees, the uh, early baseball era and golden days era committees uh, that were made up of historians, media members, and former players that uh, named six uh, individuals that will be inducted, including the great Tony Oliva and Jim Cott, uh, so I guess David Ortiz makes uh, three Minnesota Twins legends uh, that'll be going in. Um, many, many also Gil Hodges, Bud Fowler, and Buck O'Neill being the other four uh, that those committees named that'll be going in. So that you'll have uh, three living individuals uh, that'll be there for the for the ceremony that obviously will be headlined by the great David Ortiz. Uh, the 77.9% uh the biggest for a primary dh that's ever happened um so you know before we dive in and, and spend some time talking about the the vote process and uh kind of the the global bitching and moaning that that went into it let's throw some flowers at big poppy here uh, 10 time all-star won three world series was a world series mvp uh, was the MVP of the American League Championship Series when he dramatically uh, stomped, unfortunately, your Yankees. Uh, won a home run derby. Still seven silver sluggers. Uh, many would argue that he left us wanting more uh, when he uh, retired after his age 40 season, in which over 151 games he led the league with a uh, 1021 OPS. Had a league-leading 620 slugging percentage, 48 doubles, which led the league, and led the league with 127 runs batted in as a 40-year-old. And those numbers somehow only got him sixth in the American League MVP voting. Uh, the highest he ever finished in MVP voting was second. He was the runner-up when he drove in a league-leading 148 in 2005. A career 286 average, 380 on base percentage, 931 career OPS, 141 OPS plus, played in over 2,400 games. Uh, and I think he's a guy that you look at, and he spent parts of six seasons with the Minnesota Twins. You know, two of the first three, he only appeared in 15 and 10 games, respectively, in 97 and 99. Um but it really wasn't. It wasn't working in Minnesota. His last year, he had 20 homers and had 75 runs batted in in 125 games. Uh, had a nice 8.39 OPS, uh, but the Twins decided that uh, they weren't going to move forward with Big Poppy and just straight up let him walk. And on the recommendation of his good friend, who was in the room with him last night when he got the phone call, Pedro Martinez. The Boston Red Sox brought him in before the 03 season, and the rest is history. His first year, he drove in 101, uh, and he drove in more than 100 in all but four seasons that he was with Boston. One of those was the 2012 season that he was limited to 90 games, and he drove in 60. Um, tremendous player. I don't think when you look at 541 home runs, 1,768 runs batted in, that he's a guy that you would say doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. Um, but him getting in on the first ballot as a guy who is primarily a designated hitter is uh, certainly 
worthy of uh, grabbing our attention because historically the writers have not liked designated hitters. I mean, the award is named after Edgar Martinez, and he slid in on his 10th ballot. Um, and Harold Baines, who was, by most people's estimation, you know, uh, the player that most people associated with the DH position um, for many years before Edgar Martinez came along, he didn't get in until a veterans ballot just a few years ago. So, uh, so it looks like the trends are showing that writers are changing their philosophies on the DH and the closer for that matter, uh, with Mariano going in as still the only 100% vote recipient ever. We still don't know who the one person was who didn't vote for Jeets a couple years ago, but, uh, and, you know, Billy Wagner's up to 51%. I think that a lot of people are making a case for his induction. At some point here, he was filthy, dominant. Uh, and I don't know that there are many guys other than Mariano that you would have wanted closing a game in the last 20-plus years than Billy Wagner. But 77.9% uh, for Big Poppy. As a Yankee fan, Paul, your thoughts on a guy who really, I, I think, is is one of the people that many point to as changing the narrative around the Boston Red Sox organization and turning them from can't get over the hump to winning multiple World Series championships while David Ortiz was one of the centerpieces in that lineup. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of angles you can go out here. Um, I'll take my Yankee fan uh, aside for a second. Because I want to ask you, you know, you talk about how the uh, Hall of Fame doesn't usually put uh, designated hitters in there. You look at those Boston teams that won the championships, broke the curses, all that stuff, all the different personalities around the bases and on the mound. When you look at Big Poppy, I wonder how much of his personality, outside of what he did on the field, um, you know, when we talk about some of the great Hall of Famers and the great players in baseball, um, I think uh, the ones that stand out, because uh, I think a lot can get biased as average baseball fans and say, oh, you know, and, and you can say, well, he got in on the merits of his stats and his, his games played or whatever position he played and everything else. And you, you might not have heard of him, you know, depending on what, you know, how old you are as a baseball fan, when you, you know, whether you're watching the game all the time now, whether you watch it more like maybe when I was a kid in the 80s and uh, in the 90s, obviously, in the early 2000s, following the Yankees and so on and so forth, you turn around. So there's guys that get into the Hall of Fame, and, and you don't really know too much about them, you know? Big Poppy, to me, is, you know, I think as a Yankee fan, I'll swing back now, is that you have to respect him. He beat you on the field. That's one thing. But his personality, what he did for the game, and in a city like Boston, along with Pedro and stuff, what they did as far as breaking barriers in that community, in the city of Boston, in Massachusetts, um, and and they 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 brought a, they brought a city together along that all those amazing runs and the comebacks and everything else and winning the championships. But I ask you if with the numbers and how you know I'm not going to sit here and say I know how similar Poppy's numbers are to other guys uh, who have been put in the Hall of Fame. But I'm going to ask you some question. Do you think his personality, his persona, um, helps him get in the way he does? Uh, getting voted in this year, as opposed to maybe if he wasn't that big personality, if he didn't have such an effect uh, off the field as he did on the field, would he have gotten in like this? I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, Mariano, which, you know, kind of a quiet guy off the field, obviously had the obvious numbers, um, but, you know, Poppy obviously a different position, but you know where I'm kind of coming from. Do you think Poppy gets in, or is, is Poppy, like, bigger than not only the Boston Red Sox, but just a big person in the game as well that helped him get in on a first ballot and the only guy going in this year oh absolutely absolutely I think I think you make a great point that when you think back to those Red Sox teams and you think about after the bombing at the Boston Marathon David Ortiz grabbing the mic and dropping an f-bomb and the way that Big Poppy was as an Afro-Latino, so beloved in the city of Boston, which Boston has its history. Mm -hmm. And let's not ignore that Boston has not always been a gracious place for any players of color. Uh, I mean, look at how long we, we talked last week on our 
hockey show about Willie O'Ree finally getting his number retired as the mm-hmm. first black player in the National Hockey League and that it took them a generation too long to do that. Uh, but for the city of Boston to wrap its arms around a, an Afro-Latino um, took someone who was really bigger than life. And I think, for me, the comp that I think about with David Ortiz in sports is Shaq. This is a guy who, whose personality transcended the sport that he played. You could see him as a DJ. You could see him as like the guy that you would just want to run into on the street and grab a selfie. You know, you, you look at David Ortiz's Instagram and he's out there and he's got his brand of cigars. You know, he had the two boxes of cigars right in front of him. You know, when he got the call from Cooperstown, which I'm sure the hall is thrilled about that. <laughs> um, but I mean, this is a guy that, you know, he's got the pictures of him in lounge chairs in front of like a Lamborghini smoking a cigar. Like this is a guy who is, who you look at, really more like a pop culture phenomenon than the designated hitter for the Red Sox. And for me, in many ways, he's very similar to Shaquille O'Neal in that his personality transcended where he was playing in the position that he played. And I think that the size kind of plays into that comp too because he's a big guy. And I think one of my favorite personal stories remembering David Ortiz was, I had the opportunity to cover the All-Star Game in Washington, D.C. a few years ago. And they, do, they play the Futures game before the all, a couple days before the All-Star Game where they have the top prospects come in and play like an, an All-Star Game showcase. And that year, uh, they had it set up as they do many years where it was the world versus the U.S. And... David Ortiz, being recently retired, was the celebrity manager, if you will, of the world team. And one of the players that a lot of people had eyes on in that game was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And that was the year that his dad, Vladdy Sr., was voted into the Hall of Fame. One of the other three Dominican-born players to be inducted into the Hall, which I quizzed my kids last night and they guessed on Vladdy and they guessed on Pedro, but they forgot about Juan Marichal. I won't hold that against him. The oldest one's a freshman in high school, <laughs> but, um, so Vladimir, didn't Guerrero, ask me those questions. <laughs> yeah. so Vladimir Guerrero is voted into the hall. So David Ortiz asks Vladdy to come hang out, sit on the bench, be a coach, be a hitting coach, whatever. Just come hang out. Let's celebrate you. You're going into the hall. Dominican brothers. And I'm in the clubhouse, and I had just gotten done talking to Jesus Lazardo, tremendous young pitcher, uh, who at that time was in the Oakland organization. And uh, and there's a commotion at the door, and I'm standing next to Jeff Idelson, who at that time was the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame, talking to him. And Vladdy walks in and goes over and gives Poppy big hug. Uh, they talk for a few minutes in, in Spanish. Vladdy's wearing a, a pair of shorts and a pair of like sandals and a t-shirt. And Poppy's like, what do you got? Let's get dressed. Cause if you're going to be like on the field, you got to have the whole uniform on cause this is baseball and they still make celebrity managers and coaches like David Ortiz go full uniform for the game. Well, Vladdy showed up with basically a backpack and sandals and shorts on. And so Poppy finds a kid, gives him his credit card, and says, run up the street to Dick's, get him some shoes. Get him some, get him some stuff. Kid comes back, you know, 45 minutes later, still in the clubhouse, and he's got a couple boxes of Jordans and whatever. He gives Poppy his card back, which, by the way, the fact that some random, like, intern in the clubhouse could go to Dick's with David Ortiz's credit card and buy two probably $200 pairs of Jordan shoes in whatever size Vladdy was wearing is kind of hilarious to me. So much for security at the Dick Sporting Goods in D.C. But um, but just like that that's who he is. 
And like last night on MLB Network, you you see like Kevin Millar calling, and he's deferring to Millar. He's like, we had all these greasy guys that were just all players around me, and it was hard to not like be passionate when you've got guys like Millar running around. And you see his relationship with Pedro, who he still calls a big brother. And your his personality is so big. And I think that you, when you look at, you know, the you know maybe soft transition us over to guys who didn't get in. I think the biggest difference between David Ortiz and Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds is most people in the media love David Ortiz. Mm -hmm. You look at him on the pregame on Fox throwing cash around in the playoffs with A-Rod and Frank Thomas and having a good time. and He's a cheerleader for wherever he is. You know, it's like you go, I always laugh, and this is going to totally show my age, but I go back to when Vinny Damone gives the pep talk to the, the dude in Fast Times at Ridgemont High about how to <laughs> how, how how to be the guy. And one of one one of his one of his pro tips for it's being the scene. guy was wherever you are, that's the place to be. You look around, you're like, what could be better than this? And uh, and like that's like David Ortiz is living the Vinny Damone steps to being a high school winner, I guess. But it's. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, people are probably going to go watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High now, or or not. You got um, but uh, but like that's that's Big Poppy. Wherever he is, is the place to be. If he is in the room, it is a it's a it's a damn party, and that's what he is. And I mean, they partied like crazy on those Red Sox teams. And like you look at his relationship with people like Tom Brady again. Like this dude just transcends being a DH for the Red Sox. He was Boston, and as an Afro-Latino, I, it, it's it's really amazing to look at the impact that he had on that city and the legacy that he left behind in Boston. So, you know, tip of the cap to 34. Um, it just the way that he has, you know, really conducted himself and answered questions openly and honestly – and, you know, again, soft transitioning us over to talking about Bonds and Clemens. He was a guy that was named in, in that report that, you know, allegedly was a guy that tested positive for something that was not on the OK list with Major League Baseball before they came up with the harder testing stance and the hard line in the sand, uh, you know, back, you know, going into 04. Um but I think one of the big things that I've heard a couple of people, including Steve Phillips on MLB Network Radio, bring up is never tested positive after that, unlike Alex Rodriguez, unlike Manny Ramirez, and unlike Sammy Sosa, like the numbers didn't dip. It wasn't like you, you fell off a cliff and the body fell apart after 03. He went on to dominate for almost 15 years. And so the fact that he was undoubtedly after, you know, again, theoretically, you know, having that positive show up, he undoubtedly got tested on the regular and he never got pinched. So, um, so yeah, I mean, this is, a, this is a guy that transcended baseball and he continues to do that. So and Tab, I love just... it. I can't wait to hear his speech because I think it's, I think it's going to be wild in Cooperstown at the end of July. Yeah, and uh, one thing I just want to point out. First, I'm going to ask you, have you ever been to the Dominican Republic? I have. Yeah, so you know what, especially if you go down there. I mean, I went down there myself years ago to vacation, as most Americans do. We'll go down there. Um, but definitely the ride from the airport to wherever you go, you, you can see the poverty in the Dominican Um and, you know, just looking at some of the storylines for, for these kids, you know, guys like Big Poppy and all the great players have come from the Dominican Republic. I think, you know, if you put in perspective the journey, how hard it is to, uh, you know, just be good at the, your sport enough in, in the Dominican, uh, you know, in a lot of these South American uh, countries where some of the great ball players uh, come out of to get into the major leagues to earn your stripes on a team, make your way. Like I said, we talked uh, about Poppy going from Minnesota to the Red Sox and then all the success. And when you see the personality about Poppy and, you know, we talk about the money and the, the cigars and the, the celebrations and everything else, if you can only imagine 
when a guy like that gets to that pinnacle, the especially in baseball, and you win the championships like that, and you play in one of the biggest, most popular cities in the United States as far as just sports itself, and then obviously what you do for the Red Sox and that fan base and winning championships, at least I can, and I hope most people can too, is they don't look at that as necessarily, oh, it's a big, you know, it's a bad thing, look at this guy flaunting his money and stuff like that. These guys, more than probably anybody else, have earned that. You know, and they, they earned it on the field, but when you think about how they got there, where they came from, and to extend that to how Poppy has gone on and embraced the city, the sports, he does a lot of good things too, and he knows the game, man. You talk about the MLB Network and Fox and all that stuff. He's, he's just a great, fun guy to listen to. And to do what he did on the field, you know, as fun as 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 you know, as fun and as he is, and I, I talk about his big personality. That guy knew how to play the the game, man. He played damn well, and he did, and he put those numbers up some against some of the greatest pitchers in the game um, to to get there too. And I just wanted to throw that out there, just for, for perspective, for a guy like that now entering the Baseball Hall of Fame. But think about where, you know. Ortiz came from, and all these big players who get there, and, and, and that journey, and, and just try and, try and put yourself in that perspective, in that, in that seat, that journey, as a young kid, and then getting there. And then uh, it's just great to see. I just think that's a wonderful thing about baseball, and I think this is great that a guy like this, a character, uh, the personality, the player, and everything else, he gets to this pinnacle. And he goes in as a champion, too, which is great, too. Yeah, and I think the uh, you know, one other fun David Ortiz story is, uh, I when I was in the Dominican, I bought a, a retro red uh, Escojitos de Leon hat, and that was one of the Dominican teams that David Ortiz played for wow. back in the day. And I wore that hat to a Red Sox-White Sox game a couple years later. And I was sitting somewhere that you could see into the stands and behind some kids that were chasing autographs and Poppy came over to the rail and he was signing a couple rows in front of me. And I just yelled, Hey Poppy. And I tipped the cap and he looks up and he just kind of gets that big million dollar smile on his face. And he goes, nice hat, Poppy. Yeah, that's great. He he saw it and he he recognized it. And that, that's the whole thing. Like he's in Chicago and sees an Escojito's hat and he, and he, and he shows it some love. So, but you're right, and I think, you know, now to hard transition over to those who did not get in, when you consider the journey of a guy like David Ortiz and compare it to the journeys of the two most notable guys who did not get into the Hall of Fame, Roger Clemens was a first-round pick after being the workhorse ace at the University of Texas. He's a college legend at Texas. Got drafted by the Mets out of high school, didn't do it. Went to the Red Sox in the first round a couple years later and signed. This is a guy that most people expected to be a superstar. And, you know, he he got drafted in 83. He was in the big leagues, appearing in 21 games the next year. Not, not a long climb for... Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, who again drafted by the San Francisco Giants, ironically enough, in '82 out of high school, um, didn't sign with the Giants. He wanted to just burn the souls of Pittsburgh to the ground a few a decade later. But uh, sixth overall pick out of Arizona State by the Pirates in '85. Again, college career, incredible was in the major leagues, appearing in 113 games the year after he got drafted. That's a timeline that today we don't see a lot of guys spend one year in the minors or not even a full year in the minors and they're jumping in and making an impact. But Bonds and Clemens, first-round picks, the next year were in the majors. And again, let's not forget that one of the people who many have argued should have been a stronger consideration for the Hall of Fame years ago was Barry Bonds' father, Bobby. And Bobby dealt with a lot when it comes to race issues. And if, if you read 
some of the things that have been written about Barry Bonds that played a lot into his distrust of the media and uh, some of the things that he carried over uh, as a guy who was never really, I think, especially after he left Pittsburgh, embraced to the extent that he wanted to be uh, as a black superstar. And that lack of being really fully embraced or feeling fully embraced, uh, if you read Game of Shadows, marvelous, you know, really strong in-depth look at, at Bond's ascent into the home run areas that no one had ever seen before with steroids uh, helping him allegedly along the way. Um, this is a guy who said, you know what, screw it. If McGuire and Sosa are going to get all this attention and be the Sports Illustrated Men of the Year and you know get shouted out during the State of the Union address and everything else, why not me? Screw it. I'll do what they're doing, and I'll do it better than them, and then I'll show everybody that I'm the best player that God's put on the planet in quite some time by doing it the way that I can do it with as much help as they're getting. And you, you look back at, at those two guys, Bonds, seven-time MVP, Clemens, seven Cy Young Awards, obviously Barry Bonds, the all-time home run leader, uh, on paper, many still consider it to be Hank Aaron, um, but that's a personal preference. That's a personal stance. When you look at the numbers on paper, Barry Bonds has hit more home runs than anyone in history, 762. Hit 73 in one year back in 2001. They talk about blank, black ink in reference to the bold lines when you look at a baseball reference for when he was a league leader. And his is covered in it. And this is a guy who was intentionally walked 120 times in 2004 in 147 games. Think about that. Yeah. Almost once a game, he was intentionally walked. Screw it. We're not even going to throw you. We're not even going to dance around the zone. We're not even going to make it look like we're avoiding you. We're just giving you the base. He's got a career OPS plus of 182. He is one of the best players we've ever seen. Roger Clemens, again, this is a guy who didn't win a Rookie of the Year, but 1986, Cy Young MVP. Cy Young in 87. Things go south in 96 for Boston. They tell him to take a hike. He goes to Toronto, wins a Cy Young Award in his first two years with the Blue Jays. Ends up, after a couple years there, both of which Cy Young winners, goes to the Yankees. A Cy Young for the Yankees. Jumps to the Houston Astros and wins a Cy Young in the National League. Yes, the Astros were in the National League. Uh, for those that don't remember, like Fox, <laughs> who completely forget that they played the White Sox in the World Series. Um, but, I mean, he. this is a guy that was 200 innings a year. Again, black ink. Everywhere led the league in strikeouts five times, led the league in innings pitched twice, led the league in wins four times through 18 complete games. But the, I think the one that, that, that hits me the most, Paul, Roger Clemens won his first Cy Young Award as a 23-year-old, won his last Cy Young Award as a 41-year-old. Hmm. So you're talking 17 years between Cy Young Awards. That's unprecedented. But what you have is two guys that did not get along with the media very well. You know, I, I, you, you said Clemens released a statement. I looked at his statement on Twitter, and the first tweet was from a longtime journalist who I won't name here. Uh, and the tweet was simply, Roger, you're the biggest prick I've ever covered, but you deserve to be in the hall. Hmm. And it feels like that's the sentiment that a lot of writers had towards both Bonds and Clemens. They were surly SOBs that didn't get along with a lot of people, but they went out and whooped your ass a lot. I remember when Kerry Wood was a phenom for the Cubs, the first time that he pitched against Roger Clemens at Wrigley Field. Those were some of the most expensive regular season tickets that, at that point you'd ever had for Cubs games. And Wood was hyped, and the Cubs beat him that day. But, I mean, this is a guy that did it everywhere he went. And... um so, Tim, am I, am, I, am I to take from you that you you feel they're not in the Hall of Fame 
because of their rep or not because of the steroids and the controversy and all that other stuff? So, or is it both? Yes. To all of the above, yes. And I, I'm going to pontificate for a moment here. So soapbox moment coming. Um, they aren't in the Hall of Fame because there were PED suspicions with both. Roger Clemens infamously bragged about using Viagra. He kept it in his locker, said that he took it when he got the on pitching to recover. Andy Pettit gets pinched for using illegal substances. He says Clemens was doing the same stuff. That's who he got it from. Bonds, obviously, Game of Shadows, lengthy book, award-winning book, goes in depth about his relationship with Balco. So there are... Where there's smoke, there's a lot of fire, and it's not at the end of a cigar with those two when it comes to using performance-enhancing drugs. So there's that. But I think that we've gotten to a place now where a lot of writers, again, have started to, because of the transparency and the blowback on social media, have started to really evaluate whether or not they can or should vote for these guys based on their numbers, not the fact that they don't get along with the media. Ron Sano not the best relationship with some people in the media. He didn't get in until after he'd passed on a veterans committee. Should have been in a long time ago. But these are guys that didn't rub a lot of people the right way, teammates included. But you've got guys that there were just as many suspicions around Mike Piazza, Padre Rodriguez, that have been voted in without a lot of questions asked. And so there's been a lot of talk and a lot of blowback about the Hall of Fame not doing its job with these two guys getting in. And my soapbox is that the Hall of Fame has sent out the ballot in a very democratic process with the same instructions for a long time. And the thing that people take issue with is the character clause. Do they represent the game? People talk about Ty Cobb was an awful racist, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Babe Ruth was a man whore who chain smoke and drank himself into oblivion. Many make the same claims of Mickey Mantle. They're in the Hall of Fame, no questions asked. So where where does the moral high ground come now that wasn't there <laughs> for that, those individuals? Isn't that the terrible thing? The drinking and the whoring is okay. It's, it's, it's accepted you can cheat by on your, society. You can cheat on your wife but <laughs> and you can cheat on your taxes, but you can't cheat the game. Uh, I think that's what's most important to remember here. Tongue in cheek, I'm not being serious at all. But um, when Jeff Passan at ESPN wrote a piece, and he took the Hall of Fame to task, that came out just a couple days ago in saying that if they don't get in, the Hall of Fame has failed in its mission to preserve the history of the game. And I'll say a couple things to that. First, if you go to Cooperstown and visit the Baseball Hall of Fame, there's a huge really incredibly well done exhibit that very transparently speaks about what happened in the eighties and the nineties. Remember the eighties wasn't the steroid era. It was the cocaine era. The Ken Burns documentary, Tim Raines talks about he slid head first because he had a glass vial of Coke in his back pocket. He got in the hall. Um, so they, in the hall of fame, in the museum part, there's a hall of fame and museum. The museum component, these records are talked about. They're celebrated transparently. Open conversation about Jose Canseco, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Rafi Palmero, and the records that they put up. You can watch the video. You can hear Chris Berman losing his mind during home run derbies as Sosa hits a ball clear out of the building in Milwaukee. And they give you the context. It's the plaque gallery where these guys are not represented at this time. The Hall of Fame sends out the ballot. And this is this is like saying, you know what? At the risk of wandering down a modestly political road here, it's like saying the government failed because they didn't tell us how to vote. Mm-hmm. This is up to those who vote to determine who goes in and who votes. The writers. And to me, Jeff Passon's piece was... Three months too late. It is the Baseball Writers Association of America. It's an association. You pay dues. You talk to each other. You vote for a president of the Writers Association. It was C. Trent Rosencrantz last year in Cincinnati. Great writer at The Athletic. Check him out if you're a Reds fan. Uh, There's communication that happens within that body. 
if Jeff Passan and other writers want to take someone or peoples to task over the way that this played out, they should have done it with their rank and file members of the Writers Association before they cast their ballots. I mean, there was a lot of people advocating for Edgar Martinez to get in. He got a huge bump the last two years and got in. A lot of people advocating for Larry Walker. He got in on his 10th ballot. We've seen that campaigning for election works for the Baseball Hall of Fame as it does for political office. If you want to take the Hall of Fame to task over the character clause, it's been there forever. And writers interpret it differently. Obviously, we've seen that because David Ortiz got more votes than Gary Sheffield and Sammy Sosa and Alex Rodriguez and Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Put your thoughts out there about it being criminal for them to not get in and take the writers to test before their ballots are cast, which are due postmarked by the end of the calendar year. Don't wait until the 24th of January to blow out the Hall of Fame when Ernst and Young has already tabulated the ballots. Mm -hmm. Don't complain about the way that it worked out because you don't like the way that the election went after the fact if those around you didn't vote the way that you would, would have preferred them to do. And you know what? You had 10 ballots to bitch and moan about people and how they were interpreting the character clause when it comes to Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. They had 10 ballots. They failed on 10 ballots, as did Sosa and Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling's a whole other animal. We won't even go there because we've already wandered into the political realm probably more than we should have. <laughs> but keep your think pieces for before the ballots are cast. Don't come in after the fact on your handmade altar and proclaim that those around you have failed if these guys don't get in. They needed three out of four. They didn't get three out of four. So right now, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are represented pretty thoroughly in the museum part of the Baseball Hall of Fame Museum in Cooperstown. And the last thing that I'll say about them before getting off my soapbox is this isn't the final nail in the coffin for their candidacy. You don't think so, huh? It's not. I already brought up that David Ortiz is joining six other members, two living, that'll be inducted with him this summer. Tony Leva and Jim Cutt didn't get voted in, and they had longer than 10 years on the ballot to get voted in. They didn't get voted in by the writers. Their peers and historians and a select group of media individuals reviewed their careers within the context of the generation that they played in and said, you know what, these guys, should, these guys are good enough. They should have been in a long time ago, and now they're in today. And I wrote this for Elite Sports New York a couple weeks ago, and it's a hill that I'll die on. I am more interested in how the peers of Sosa and Clemens and Bonds, and for that matter, Alex Rodriguez, who's got a bunch of years left on the ballot, and Kurt Schilling, I'm really more interested in how their peers view them than the writers. Mm -hmm. Lots of these writers have a really decent, not great, let's not act like sports writers make a lot of money. But book deals have been given based on how these guys performed. And guys, there's a, a much larger media market and appetite for sports media because of what guys like Sosa and McGuire did in 98. And they're going to have their perceptions and they vote for the hall of fame. I'm not taking anything away from the writers. Baseball writers association votes for the hall of fame because they're around covering a team all year. They should know the game and the way that these guys perform on and off the field better than anyone. They're in the clubhouses. They talk to the guys. They see how the vibe is, but let's have some of these guys peers look them in the eye and say yes or no. And they'll have that chance. At some point we're going to have, uh, a, a golden era committee. It feels like yesterday for people our age, Paul, but it's been 22 years since the nineties ended. Mm -hmm. Let's let, let's wait for a golden era committee to go back and look at what happened in the nineties and look at the careers of Fred McGriff and Kenny Lofton, as well as Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire. And, and they'll have another chance at it that way. And I'll be very interested to see what, how it plays out when the 80s and 90s are eligible and, and considered on one of those ballots. But it's the, the book is not closed on Cooperstown for Bonds and Clemens or Sosa, Schilling, and others. But 
the writers didn't do it. And at the end of the day, if you don't like who gets elected, whose fault is it? Those who vote. And those who voted for this are the writers. So let's let's aim our accountability wand after the fact now at those who voted, not the institution that they're being voted into. Yeah, it's a it's a great point. And there. and uh, slowly steps off of soapbox. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's 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 all great. Great ways to look at it. It's a very complicated, you know, when it comes to guys like Clemens and Bonds, you know, Rodriguez, it's it's very complicated. And, you know, you bring up some of the old guys there we talked about earlier, Ruth and stuff and, and Mantle and, you know, you could you could throw Rose in there. Again, these are all conversations to continue on down the road, but uh, it'll be interesting. You know, when I say you think they still have a chance, I guess that's okay. It's it's good for them. I mean, when you see Clemens today pretty much saying, hey, 10 years ago I gave up on, on ever getting into the Hall of Fame and it doesn't mean anything to, to me anymore. I don't know if, if, if you can believe that or not, but um, it is. It's, it's a complicated history of the game, and baseball is generational, uh, decade by decade by decade, um, you know, and that's why we love doing it here at Line Drive Radio. You know, we're so excited about last year and all the, the young talent. And the, there's a new generation coming up, and, and this all, that's the great turnover in, in baseball, but it doesn't go on without the controversies. And without the dark sides, without, you know, the ups and downs of the game. Because ultimately, Tab, and we talk about it a lot here on Line Drive Radio too. baseball is one of the most human games as far as position playing, decision making, pressure, management decisions, up and down, training, uh, and then decisions that you make off the field in terms of how that may affect you on the field. So it's uh, it's... It's fascinating stuff. I love talking about it with you here on Line Drive Radio. So, look, before we wrap up, Tab, we would be remiss if we at least didn't play at least about a minute here of uh, our very own favorite, Keenan Thompson, on SNL, doing a little bit of David Ortiz. Don't. <laughs> What's that an ad for? For not to be sad. Why you be sad? Don't. <laughs> the White House last week, Red Sox slugger David Ortiz was criticized for taking a selfie with President Obama using a Samsung phone because Ortiz has an endorsement deal with Samsung. Here to comment is Big Poppy himself, David Ortiz. What's up, Big Poppy? So how was your trip to the White House? Oh, it was good, man. We have a big lunch. You get a big lunch. Oh, yeah, we have empanada, tostones, beef steak and cocoa, shrimp mofongo, arroz con leche, y chicharrón con jamón. You had all that at the White House. That's what I say, man. Big Dominican lunch with Big Poppy. Oh, he's the best, man. He's the best, man. I love that. You go on. It's about 12 minutes on this YouTube clip of some of the just the best stuff from Keenan Thompson. And I, and that, that reflects about his personality, too, that we talked about, too. So congratulations yeah. to him, man. And, and, and Tab, just a great job today bringing up, uh, you know, all his stats and, and the impact he's had on the game. Yeah, and the last thing that I'll say, quick, you know, box jump for those that are thinking about off-season training. Uh if we're going to allow players that were suspended multiple times for steroids, Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez specifically to be on the ballot for the writers to even consider, uh, I would openly advocate for Pete Rose and Shoeless Joe Jackson to be included in the era committees as well. Uh, and I look, and that's a whole other line drive radio to get into because there is one Cardinal sin in baseball. There is still a sign in every clubhouse that tells you do not gamble on the game. But, if we're going to allow people who have been suspended for cheating to be on the ballot and have the opportunity to be told no, then again, and Chula's Joe obviously not here, but allow Pete Rose's peers to say, no, you broke the one sin. You grabbed the apple with Adam and Eve. You can't go in. I'm sorry. But... If you've got people that have been 
proven beyond a shadow of a doubt and been suspended multiple times for doing what they've been told not is not allowed in the game, if they're allowed the opportunity to be, at least be told no, then I think it's time for Rose and Shoeless Joe to have a moment. Ooh, that's going to be a whole other episode, episode brother. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm on the same bandwagon there, but we'll see, man. But that's what's great about the game. We'll talk about it here on Line Drive Radio. Everybody, we're excited to be back. This is just one little episode here today. We're looking forward to, uh, God, I hope it really happens soon. We get the CBA squared away. But, look, me and Tab are still here. We're not going anywhere. We're looking forward to uh, the upcoming baseball season. Follow us everywhere at Line Drive Radio and always follow me and Tab. Uh, on the Twitter, that's where we hang out a lot. Tab, as always, say goodbye to everybody. Congratulations to Big Poppy, and I cannot wait to hear his speech in Cooperstown. It's if it if it's half of what Pedro did, it'll be special, and I got a feeling it's going to go even beyond what his big brother did. So, looking forward to Big Poppy in Cooperstown in late July. You got it, man. It's going to be great. All right, once again, for Tab Bam from Paul Cuppert. Have fun out there. Stay warm. It's cold in Chicago and New York. I've been dreaming about the spring more than anybody else. Until then, just enjoy the Hall of Fame, and I'm with Tab, too. Can't wait for this piece. So many great stuff. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care, and Happy New Year. Belated New Year for me and Tab. We'll see you guys down the road, out in the field. Take care. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Cocoa Zing, and more, an extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP.